0: Again. Again, I All am right. here even though I'm probably like,
1: uh, <laughs> Eddie, whoa, I'm like, I'm like incepting,
0: incepting myself. myself. Hold on, You're gonna get some plosives this week. My, 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 my mic control is gonna be everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> All right, uh, let me let pull, pull, let let pull up the outline now, right. now that I have and everything,
2: everything. Yeah, let me get the going. Pop off this,
0: pop off, smeared off, uh, pop off, chief's.
2: Chiefs, Panthers. That's what I do. Podcast. podcast.
1: All right, Armando, Armando. Uh, count count us in, dog. dog. Let's do it, baby. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friends Reese and Kyle, wait a minute, that's not Kyle, could it be? Who is that? It's Noah! Noah is back! on the FCSM podcast, filling in for the ever-busy Kyle, who is currently being a successful musician. Kyle, we wish you well. But sometimes, Kyle doesn't have the greatest setup over where he's at in Iowa. Takes him a while to kind of get things going before we have the podcast. It takes a lot to do this pregame stuff, but the person that's usually on their game is Reese. Reese is in... He's, he's like Michael Jordan, 10 minutes before the practice, 10 minutes after the practice. But Reese, what's going on today, bro?
0: Oh man, due to the marvels and confusions of technology, I'm doing my best to do this remotely without our normal equipment and normal setup, i.e. let me tell you exactly how this is going. So first off... I have my phone plugged into the wall and my phone connected to Google Hangouts so I can hear and communicate with you guys. My phone is then connected by Bluetooth to my headphones so I can speak with you guys and hear what you guys are saying. Now, underneath those Bluetooth headphones are a pair of earbuds being monitored through my H5 recorder in which I am recording solely myself today. And connected from my H5 recorder to my old MacBook, is the power cable for my H5 to keep that thing up and charging. Then also plugged in from these earbuds into my H5 is going into the Google Hangouts, so then all of this is being recorded via the same Google Hangouts call from the same Google Hangouts profile on my laptop being recorded through Soundflower onto Audacity. You follow that? whoa! Oh! I forgot! My laptop's being charged too! I have a count of one, two, three, four things plugged in right now. Four things plugged in, two sets of headphones, two different voice calls, and one Chief's victory.
1: Woo! Well, hopefully we finish the entire podcast before your, like, system just blow up. Or it's like...
2: <laughs> like, so, like sorry, a, guys. Like a I created fi- Skynet. Like a, My a bad. fire
1: just starts <laughs> where your outlets are. <laughs> Well, I mean, this just shouldn't be a too long of a podcast as it was a pretty easy win for us, I think. Uh we're doing an instant reaction podcast today. Kansas City Chiefs win over the Carolina Panthers. This one on paper was a nail biter. 33 to 31, ending in a 67-yard field goal miss by Carolina Panthers Joey Sly. The Chiefs are now 8-1 going into their bye week. Pretty nice going into that bye week. Going back to Noah, actually. So everyone on this podcast has a nickname. I'm Hot Take Mondo. Reese is Referees. Actually, I don't really think Kyle has one, but I don't really care about that. So, like, this whole day, I was like, what should we give Noah? And whenever I think of Noah, I think of, like, if I'm, like, Noah's nephew, like, I want to be... Hanging out with Noah all the time because I know Noah is the one that's going to give me my first beer, my first cigarette, my first joint, whatever. So Noah, today your nickname on the podcast is Uncle Noah. Oh, no. <laughs> Uncle Noah! I love it because yeah. because because you never know what's going to come from Noah as well, right? You're sitting at the uh, the uh, dinner table. We're all having a good time at Thanksgiving. But someone has, like, a Raiders tattoo that they're, like, trying to cover up. And then Noah just goes off on the dinner table at his sister's boyfriend that has the secret Raiders tattoo. So your name is Uncle Noah today, because we're going to get some great takes from Mr. Uncle Noah. Go! Let's get right into it, Uncle Noah. Going into it, the Carolina Panthers, going to this game, we talked about in the last podcast how... They would have to be extremely well-tightened, very executed, have a great offense to beat the Chiefs because they were 3-5 and before this game. Well, what happens? They throw the playbook at us. They throw the kitchen sink. They put everything in there to make this disaster omelet, right? What did we see Uh, in the first quarter? Uh, Fourth and three touchdown to Christian McCaffrey, which is actually pretty good. Then a fourth and seven a fake punt in the second quarter Then in the fourth quarter we had that fourth quarter or sorry the fourth down scramble fourth and 14 Teddy like just willed it like he is a huge body and just like flew into that first down and then two onside kicks in the fourth quarter one to start the fourth quarter and the one at the very end so the Panthers tried everything to beat us Reese, was this game as close as the scoreboard says it was?
0: Well, I mean, technically, yes, because Carolina managed to keep themselves in the whole way. This game was the entirety of what John Harbaugh's, or sorry, Jim Harbaugh, no, John, which Harbaugh? I get him screwed up. (laughs) Let's call the whole thing off. This has been the culmination of what Baltimore Ravens Harbaugh brother has tried to do to us the last two times we've we've played, and particularly last year, which was like always go forward on fourth down, like try this two point conversion if the playbook like technically says this is where you go for two. That's exactly what Carolina did all game. They executed it to their best of their abilities, and that was their only chance to give them a sliver of hope in this game. And albeit, it almost paid off. Yeah, I
2: mean. The whole thing is that the, the reason they had throw the kitchen sink at us is because, you know, they're stuck. on defense, they're, they're trying to plug up the run. So then you're going to give Patrick Mahomes time to throw the football down the field, which applies pressure. But from the beginning, they looked like they had a game plan. And they were driving the ball pretty well, but it just was kind of a slow start for us. And I feel like because of that slow start, really why it was so close.
1: Okay, so both of you agree that the Panthers then are a scrub team. Like, they're, like, one of the worst teams that we've faced. True or false? Noah, you first. All right, so
2: they threw the kitchen sink at us. They're coming down on the first drive. I believe they went for it on fourth down at least once on that drive, right? Yep. Yeah, so already they're going to come out with that. Like you, like, like said, that John Harbaugh mentality where we're going to go for it, we're going to put as much pressure on them and hopefully execute. And they executed at, at at the beginning, and we didn't on the other side. So then that's pretty. I think that's the only reason why this game was as close as it was, is because we didn't put up as much points. Carolina is not a very good football team. They're rebuilding. They have a brand new coach. It's it, it, it just was it was a fl- it was a fluky type of game.
1: Okay, so Noah says it's a fluke game. Reese, do you also agree that this is a fluke game and the Panthers aren't very good? Well, I wouldn't
0: say it's a fluke game, but I would say the Panthers aren't very good. Like I said, they decided they would be like as aggressive as possible, which meant going for it on multiple fourth downs, doing trick plays on punting situations. You know, it it means going for a sixty-seven-yard field goal into a knuckling cross breeze to try to win the game. When you look at their record, Carolina was sitting at three and five. If they didn't win this game to make it to four and five. And they're now three and six, it's gonna be a real uphill climb for them to make the playoffs. So I understand why they played like they did. It came across as a little desperate, but hey, a cornered animal is the most dangerous animal there
2: is. I'll just say like one more thing about that. It's just like I think that this team is in the beginning stages of where they're gonna go. Like like they're not a bad team, but they're figuring out their identity as they keep playing this season.
0: I I think Carolina's got a decent future ahead of them. I think that defense definitely has a long way to go. I think we beat ourselves on offense just as much as they kept up with us on offense this game. I think we easily could have dropped a 40-plus bomb on them had we played more disciplined football. They have some good pieces on offense. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the best in the game at what he does. Teddy Bridgewater is a very competent NFL starting quarterback, but they're built a lot like Seattle to me. they got playmakers, a very porous defense. and I mean, look. Seattle needs a Russell Wilson level quarterback playing at an MVP level in order for them to even keep their heads above water at this point. And that's just not the case in Carolina. So I think they have some kinks to work out in a quarterback situation to solidify in the next few years.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Hot Take Mondo coming at you. Hashtag Hot Take Mondo with another hot take for you. This game was real. Oh, boo. The Panthers offense is real. This is the exact team that I do not like the Chiefs playing going forward. This is the exact game script that the Chiefs can lose to in the playoffs. This is the exact thing that pisses me off about our defense and our defensive line. Let me explain. You both are correct. Teddy Bridgewater is not very good. But Teddy Bridgewater in a Matt Rule offense is great because Matt Rule is a great coach and sets him up for success. Why? He has CMC, the best running back in the NFL. He can do multiple things with CMC, right? He can rush with CMC. CMC is also a Pro Bowl level receiver for uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater can't throw the long ball. I mean, he can kind of, and that doesn't matter when you have a CMC because you can literally dump it off and CMC goes for 20, 30 yards. But not only do you have that, you have Robbie Anderson, you have Curtis Samuel, you have DJ Moore. Let me just look really quick what they had. Curtis Samuel had 105 yards. Christian McCaffrey had 82 yards receiving. Robbie Anderson had 63 yards receiving, so he has weapons around him and doesn't have to be Russell Wilson, doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson, doesn't have to be uh, whatever his name is, Josh Allen. I forgot about him because he just sucked in that last game. Anyway, that system is set up to beat a team like the Chiefs because our D-line is hot and cold. Our D-line is... Is Jacqueline Hyde so what did they do today they ran the ball and Christian McCaffrey did extremely well in running the ball and then what happens when we bring the blitz or something then he just screen passes it to Curtis Samuel screen passes it to Christian McCaffrey so this game made me very afraid because the last game we were talking about our defense almost making the brink of being an elite defense but this game I think it's put us back because this is the game script that the Titans can do if If the Ravens have a good game, if they have a good game, this is the game script that can beat us. What say you to Hot Take Mondo Prophecy?
0: Well, I'd like to take this one first. I'll hand this off to you, Noah, to see what you think, but... I think we're kind of doing ourselves a disservice to the coaching of Matt Rule today. Uh, You know, it came out in an interview earlier this week that Andy Reid, you know, he's got a great coaching tree of players. The Harbaugh I mentioned and have already forgotten his name. Nagy, Peterson, the list goes on. But Andy Reid said Matt Rule is the one coach that got away that he regrets not like hanging on to long term and is, you know, making one of his disciples. And it's obviously evident in the way that he coached the game today. Now, I said it came across as very desperate and gimmicky, But guess what? When the season's on the line, as you mentioned, you have to throw everything in the kitchen sink at this game, and that's exactly what he did. What say you, Noah?
2: Okay, so what I the one big point is that Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater were together in New Orleans before Joe Brady went to LSU to be an offensive coordinator. So, and then Bridgewater went five and zero in the games that uh, they you know worked together. And then, you know, reuniting now with Matt Rule, I mean, it it looks like it could be a good combination. It's like Armando said, those speedy receivers are giving us fits this year. Like those 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 guys that are like, you know, just a step below Tyreek or Mikle Hardman speed, but they are giving our defense our corners are not athletic enough to keep up with these fast receivers. I kind of agree with Armando that this is kind of a red flag. But we also get Legarius need back and he's way more athletic than any
1: of Okay, so Reese, and then Noah, you can answer as well. Are you concerned so obviously we are concerned about our cornerbacks, but you're right, Legarius needs coming back. But are you are you guys concerned that that the D line is hot and cold during these games? Like are that the running backs will just go off and have, you know, incredible numbers, right? He did, Josh Jacobs did it when we played the Raiders. Um, I can name a few more as well. I'm sure Uh, Austin Eckler did. So are you concerned that it's so hot and cold? And right now it is a concern for me them being so hot and cold. Reese, what do you think? You know, it's, it's kind of what do you want from our defensive line? Our
0: defensive line is like the moon to the sun of our offensive line, whereas our offensive line seems to be doing a pretty good job opening up rushing lanes and doing a terrible job at pass protect. It seems to be the opposite for our defensive line. We're getting a lot of great pressure on Teddy Bridgewater, which we did all day, but you know, the run defense is just so putrid right now. I mean, you saw, we were, I think we're ranked 29th this week, up from 30th in rush defense. Jeez. But I think I can't put too much of the blame on the defensive line because their job is to get pressure because they're some of the best in the business of what they do. I think the bigger problem is still our linebackers core. You know, we're so unathletic, undisciplined and unable to make a play at that position that if a player gets past the first level, being the defensive line, they have eight to 10 yards of free space because our linebackers have probably either blown a tackle or blown coverage.
2: I I think that it's just speed in general from like running backs, receivers. You see that like like Reese is saying, the second level, the second McCaffrey hits a hole, he is he's up the field eight or 10 yards. And that's. That can really come back to bite you, you know, in a game when it's going to be close and you need to get the ball back or something like that. But also, like people like Philip Lindsay tore us apart when he was out, when he was in there. Like those guys that are quick and can get in open field. It's like Reese says: the athletic ability of our linebackers is extremely lacking. But outside of Willie Gay, Willie Gay still looks like he's getting better and better each game.
0: That's a really good point. Willie Gay at the beginning of this game made just like a Patriot missile level tackle on Christian McCaffrey. I think it was on third down of that first drive. And my first thought was, I'm like, great, they're doing exactly what I said, which is put your best athlete to tail their best athlete. Now, we didn't really see that for the rest of the game, whether they were giving Willie Gay different assignments or he wasn't getting snaps. McCaffrey's getting snaps. But I liked what I saw there. And Willie Gay is still showing me some glimmers of hope for the future. What do you think, Armando?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, I really like Willie Gay because this answers the question that Noah posed. Well, not really a question, but a commentary that you pose that we have very in-athletic cornerbacks and in-athletic defensive back core where Willie Gay gives that answer, at least in the middle of the field, because he's probably our most he's probably our most athletic person, even more athletic than uh, than Honey Badger. Like he he has the potential. He just needs to be able to read these these offenses that are going RPO, kind of similar to Patrick Mahomes. Are you gonna give it to K- Christian McCaffrey? Is he gonna roll out? I mean, we saw like three or four rollouts where we where we second guessed it and we just went for the blitz, which then Bridgewater's like, sweet, here you go, Christian. Christian's wide open. And then Christian McCaffrey with his legs, like you said with the speed, can get zero to like 20, 20 yards and nothing. So I think going forward, we need Willie Gay to start reading these offenses and stop guessing on what to do. I mean same with him and then Dirty Dan was doing that too. Like Dirty Dan went on all blitz even though like Christian McCaffrey's coming over and there was no one on him. Like you have to always consider that the best running back in the NFL is gonna like do something on a play. And I know that like they were trying to blitz more in the second half, which I thought was great. That's something that I wanted them to do. Uh, but you just have to be smarter, especially in especially with offenses where you know like who the weapons are. Like we know Christian McCaffrey's number one. We know Robbie Anderson's number two. We know, you know, like it's a very predictable offense. Um so yeah, that's kind of what I think of that. But let me play Skip Bayless, perhaps. We've seen Skip on YouTube defend an argument and then defend a completely opposite argument and then put him side to side. I'm gonna be Skip Bayless right now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, geez. Because even though I'm very, even though I'm very concerned about our D line, you guys also know that I've talked about our D line showing up when it matters. The Panthers just scored 31 on us which is the second highest that a team has scored on us. The Raiders were the first. I think they scored 32. Both of these teams are probably the worst on paper that we've faced. So being the Skip Bayless that I am, I'm actually not so concerned about the D-line going into the playoffs because we play to our opponents. We've been doing that all year long. We show up when it's a big game. We don't show up. When it's not a big game, and this was another one of those examples, like the Ravens should be putting up more numbers than the Panthers, than the Raiders, right? The Bills should have put up more numbers than these people. Like those are good offenses. So for us to play to our opponent means that we're going to show up in the playoffs and I'm not so concerned. So there we are. Our Jackal and Hyde defense gets a Jackal and Hyde hot take Mondo. Well, that's a really good point as well. And it's something to think about too, because, you know, the
0: coaches of Baltimore and Buffalo and some of these great teams we've played so far this season aren't slouches either. This is the first coach that's really, you know, been able to get into the ring and go twelve rounds with Andy Reid in regards to playing chess with each other. Sorry for mixing like five analogies right there, but
1: you know, <laughs> so I'm not
0: really worried about coaching going forward because I don't think we've seen anyone like an out scheme Andy Reid. And as you mentioned, Armando, we seem to be doing better against teams that really bring it out of us. And although today's an example of super bending we never technically broke
1: yeah no a- absolutely especially in that fourth quarter our our defense finally showed up like like they did not make a mistake in that fourth quarter minus that Teddy Bridgewater rush but that, that really wasn't their fault the play broke and like Teddy you know no one was expecting Teddy to just rush through so so the the uh, defense did do a great job in that fourth quarter to stop them so yeah for sure
0: Well, going back to our linebacker core play there, it's like where was Neiman on that play? Like as soon as the ball was snapped, he dropped back deep into coverage as if he's going to be able to keep up with some of these wide receivers running four 340s. It was incredible, and subsequently it left that entire center of the field open, which is why Teddy Bridgewater had that just like area code to straight run through untouched. Why Neiman didn't hang in that area and play spy at least to slow down Teddy Bridgewater, I do not know. And luckily, it didn't wind up costing us the game this time.
2: Dude, they had Neiman dropping back in coverage all day uh, with tight ends and receivers and cmc and i'm just like what are you doing This thing here, he's not why is he even playing nickel first of all I, I understand steve spagnuolo is a very smart man with a you know he has a strategy he probably has a plan for everything but willie gay should be in the, on those plays with with those coverages and everything and, and yeah, ben yeah. neiman is is a, is a statue when he drops back it's just ridiculous
1: hey noah i'm a, since you know so much about about defensive schemes what did the Chiefs do differently in that second half that they didn't do in the first half? Because they clearly stopped them.
2: Well, it's like what you say, they blitz. Basically, and if you would notice, like I know our line only had one sack. I think Fred Clark had one sack today. But but Chris Jones was getting through and he was getting there. And, and basically, because Teddy Bridgewater has good legs, that's the only reason why we didn't have more sacks today. Cause because he those quarterbacks that can get away. You know, that that kind of reflects badly on our line. It's, it's kind of a, an illusion, in my opinion. So, but yeah, the pressure and also uh, our uh, secondary stepped up in the second half.
0: That's a really good point. Teddy Bridgewater really didn't have all that great of a game. I think it's a really empty box score involving a lot of catch-up and garbage time numbers. Uh, he was 36 or 49, 310 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, they look like good numbers on paper, but in reality, it's like we challenged him to throw And for about three quarters of the game, he absolutely could not do that. And Armando, as Noah mentioned, we did get a lot of pressure in the fourth quarter from blitzing and from bringing disguised coverages. I mean, we have to remember that on that third down right at that last final drive, Frank Clark almost ended that game with that jump he had to, you know, put pressure on Bridgewater. And that's just that's the kind of thing Frank Clark always seems to do. You know, it's like, is he in every play the way a Bosa brother is? Not necessarily. But man, if that dude doesn't just have like a 101 overall for clutch factor when it comes to getting to the quarterback.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's why I'm playing Skip Bayless as well, because we do have exactly what you said, Noah. The closers. We got Frank Clark. We got Chris Jones. When Dirty Dan is Dirty Dan, he is Dirty Dan. And he's been that way. Uh, He also led the the, uh, team in tackles today, which is... They're pretty funny but yeah I mean our, our guys step up when they need to step up so that's why I'm not totally hey, I and mean,
2: you think about it like you barely see you rarely rarely see I mean they they're not even throwing on Matthew right now they're running uh, uh when he's in the box and stuff but Thornhill and Matthew I rarely see them get thrown down the, you know they throw down the field on that
1: no it's actually a really good point I actually don't think I've ever seen a big play you're right with Juan Thornhill or Honey Badger at part of it, which is kind of Yeah, it's of funny you brought that up. I almost I had to check
0: the box score just now. I'm like, did Juan Thornhill play today? He was so quiet, which maybe they didn't want to test him because he's been playing well the last few games. But, you know, I noticed, uh, again, Ward is clocked in now as about third pretty subpar game in a row. He was able to tighten the screws and made a few plays down the line. But early on in the game, I was just texting my buddies. I'm just like, dude, Ward with the blown coverage again. Was Ward even paying attention? Why are they picking on Ward? I think at this point, man, I really think Rashad Fenton's got to be getting some of those reps that Ward's getting in front of him.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I I really think that I I like these guys and I appreciate their contribution last year. But I think that they're we're gonna have to look to get more athletic corners in the future. Cause it's, like like you said, Ward had a they had a step on Ward all day until the fourth until the fourth quarter when he made a few plays. Fenton is just a six-round pick, so he's kind of a project still. Welcome back
0: to Fountain City Sports Media. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast where we crack open a beer, we review it, and we tell you the highs... The lows and the really highs of the beer we've chosen this week. Back after a beer review sabbatical is our boy Hot Take Mondo carrying one cold beer. Armando, what beer will you be reviewing for our viewers this week?
1: Well, before we talk about that, my my taste and my smell is back. Hot Take Mondo with a hot take. I had coronavirus. Coronavirus. So, yeah. I hate to see it. It's it's real, guys. I I had it about a month ago and. And honestly, my taste and my smell is not 100. percent Still, it's ridiculous. I, I've it's been maybe six weeks that it, I've recovered from it, and I still don't. It's still not 100, percent which is crazy. So wear your mask. It's real. It's scary. Yeah. All right. But here we go. I'm recovered and I'm ready to smell beer again. I will be reviewing Outer Range's Double IPA named Wheelie Nelson. Oh jeez. Check, <laughs> check this can art everyone look at that can art
0: that's so cool
1: <laughs> so for those hey. of you that that are on listening devices and not on our twitter page just kidding this isn't live don't worry but it's uh it's willie nelson on a motorcycle doing a wheelie and it's a great can art the can art is by um mountain versus Plains. you can find them at at mountain versus Plains mountain versus planes.com this is double ipa features the nelson hop which is one of my favorite hops of ve- just an explosion of flower bomb of flavor so it's a play on willie nelson uh, so really cool very excited to try it hey remind me where's outer range located again outer range is in frisco colorado which is like it, it's probably about an hour west of denver it's uh, towards the mountains closer to estes park
0: Oh, okay. Right on. Right on. So, first thing we're going to be reviewing on this beer review, as always, what is the aroma like from that beer?
1: All right. Let's crack it open. Woo. And this has been in the fridge for a little while, so the flavor should be blended well and for our viewers if you have a double ipa or you have something that has a lot of hops in it you can keep it in the fridge for a while in fact it's probably good because then those flavors will finally kind of mesh together giving you a good taste but don't leave those bud lights in there right uncle noah i hate that you insinuated that i
2: ever drink bud light in the first place
1: oh no i've seen you drink i've seen you bud light pbr i mean i
2: love pbr but still pbr miller light You're talking about the time I I slammed a case of course during the Super Bowl, the Broncos (laughs) played the Panthers Actually,
1: I I have to tell this story really quickly. So I had a Super Bowl party at my house I don't know four years ago now and Noah shows up and we're having a good time and It's we're probably in the like second quarter and from the second to like the third quarter of the Super Bowl Noah is nowhere to be found and I'm like where where the hell is Noah? like I had a super small apartment So Noah like couldn't go anywhere and this one girl who will be named, un, I will uh, not name her, she just like walks out of the the uh, kitchen. She was like, who's that guy over there like by, by the kitchen door just like chilling? And I was like, oh, that's probably Noah. <laughs> so, lo and behold, we find Noah in the kitchen like seven beers down just like staring at the wall. <laughs> And that's Uncle Miller right there Project. baby
2: I hate seeing the Broncos win Super Bowls when he won.
1: Yeah he was he was very upset And the Broncos haven't won one since so don't worry That was only like four years ago That Payne Manning was in the Super Bowl With the Broncos No, uh, would, would it be five years ago Well we, we, still like five or six But still that seems so like Not too far away it should be
0: Yeah it's pretty crazy It's like how many games has Von Miller actually played Between
1: then and now Sorry too soon Yikes. I mean a good point though. Really good point. Okay, sorry. Uh, I, I digress, but good stories about hashtag Uncle Noah. Okay, aroma. Oh, it's good to smell again. Alright, so we got some or actually it's predominantly orange notes, very like tangerine y, very tangy on the on the nose. And that you'll get from the Nelson. There's also Citra hop in here, which also has a ton of citrus notes. So that's what I'm getting on the nose. I'm gonna give it because I miss beer. I miss smelling it. I miss tasting it. I'm gonna be a little sentimental today. Give me a nine on that aroma because my buds are back, baby. Whoa! Give me a Wiser. nine. I'm I'm my my taste buds are back. My my nose buds are back.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> follow your nose wherever it goes. All right, second
1: up appearance. <laughs> what does that look like right now? This this looks like straight up orange juice. Like like I said, this sat in the fridge for a while, so it's had a lot of time just to really get dense, to get all to uh, there's also Galaxy Hop in here, which is a very fruit-bomby hop as well. So you got like three of the three of the like fruitiest hops in here giving you a splash of flavor, and also on that look, it literally looks like as thick as orange juice. Give me... Give me an 8.5 on that appearance. I like it. I'm I'm
0: thirsty. Oh my gosh. 8.5. So we got a 9 at 8.5. It's like a composite 9.75. Wait, which...
1: Noah is the one that, that came up with our point, point .5, point .3, point .4. He is the inventor. Uncle, Uncle Noah.
2: Noah. I, thank you. I am. I to thank... Not, not thank David Portnoy for that, that piece of <laughs> shit <laughs> What? <laughs> David Portnoy. Okay, no, no, I got it from his pizza review. Have <laughs> you ever seen his pizza reviews, the the founder bar Barstool? No. He has the decimal system, and I kind of got i I ripped him off just a little bit. <laughs> well, until he wants to do a crossover with us, you know, there's like really no. Oh, God. Bad. I would so rip into him, dude.
0: We're claiming this as the Metzger metric system (laughs) down the first two going into the third one everyone's favorite part of the review flavor with your newly refreshed taste buds what does that beer
1: taste like oh yeah absolutely and you know what's weird in coronavirus is that if something was salty that's literally all i could taste it was like i was having salt like epsom salt like if i had chinese food it was literally just epsom salt very strange so i'm very excited here we go Oh, that's good. Oh, that's great. So here's what I'm tasting, boys. Just like what we look at and smell on this beer, we get in the flavor. Ton of orange notes. It literally almost tastes like orange juice, maybe because I had it sit so long in that citrus bin in there, but very tangy very orangey i do get some grapefruit as well which is very nice and it also sits well with that dank flavor i'm getting a lot of hop in there as well so you get a mixture of the fruit you get a mixture of the dank you also get a little bit of the the pat or the grapefruit and also kind of like orange rind you get you get some of that as well great combination love it straight up nine baby Wow, that's pretty good. You are just so happy to be
0: back and tasting beers, aren't
1: you? I'm telling you, like, I can kind of taste like Coke. I can kind of taste Dr. Pepper because it's so sugary. But I couldn't taste like these subtle things that I'm now tasting. And it's not even 100% yet, which is crazy. So I'm looking forward to even more, even more. But I love it. Love it. Well, no. Well, now, here's a
0: curious question for you. We're on to our next one, number four, mouthfeel. Has the COVID affected your ability to perceive tactile sensations in the mouth?
1: No, I don't uh, like like that. Like I couldn't tell the difference between something that's heavy and something that's light. Or
0: Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you like perceive sensations in the mouth that aren't flavor?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I can definitely feel weight. I can feel texture still. It's not like a blanket thing. It's literally just the taste buds that went away and because at first when when you do have congestion, you know, it's it's just like if you had like the not that it's the flu. It's not, but just like if you had the flu and you lost your your uh, taste and smell, like when you first have those symptoms then it it makes sense that you don't have taste or smell. But then once that goes away and you're literally normal again, then it's weird. Then it's like, wait, <laughs> Good question, though.
0: Well, in that case, then please tell us about this beer.
1: Mouthfeel, excellent on this. And what's crazy is, like I said, I've had this in the fridge for a while, but the but the carb, you can still taste in the mouth really well, just like if I bought it last week. Um, so that's pretty crazy that you can still feel that, and I love that because it gives it a little more bite. Which also pairs well with like the grapefruit flavor, with that orange rind flavor, with the dank flavor. So having that carb on there, I really enjoy. And then the smoothness of that orange, the smoothness of the fruit flavors, having those two juxtapose the chiaroscuro, perhaps. Of Oh beer. gosh. Oh-ho-ho! Give me, give me some Noah Dewey Decimal System here. 8.7, baby.
0: Please, please pay homage to the inventor while he's on air with us. The Metzger Metric (laughs) system. All right. So number five, Aftertaste. How has the taste of the beer changed since your first sip to now?
1: Aftertaste, again, same with mouthfeel. It's smooth, but then you also get a little bit of that kick from either the carb or from the hop. And I like the juxtapose of both. Sometimes I prefer smooth over... Like, having a little bit of acidity. And that's kind of my general taste buds. Like, give me mashed potatoes every meal. Give me something that's just creamy, just, like, smooth and tasty. But this, you also get some of that kick in addition to the smooth. Give me an 8.5 on this, bad boy.
0: Alright, that leads to last but not least, BDQ, which stands for
1: Bud Light Defying Qualities. <laughs> I mean that that could screw the whole thing up if you <laughs> Oh wait, d- sorry, it defies Bud Light. Never mind. Not yes. de- defines Bud Light. Oh yeah. Oh, so doing a little uh, Uncle Noah here, it's much better than kicking seven Bud Lights at the Super Bowl. I mean, this is like you have you have two at a party or three if you're maybe having a bad day, want to get a little more buzzed. But man, I'm getting a good flavor. I can probably crush a few of these, but I know the ABV on this guy because the double IPA is probably pretty heavy. But man, this is a fun beer, whether it's cold outside, whether it's warm outside. It's just an overall great beer. Give me a 9.1. Oh,
0: baby, what a great beer. Well, I'm glad that the beer with Willie Nelson on the can didn't smell like, I don't know, Woodstock and a Winnebago. It's
1: It's actually pretty funny that, like, if they actually should have made it more dank, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) wait, wait. All right, we are back from a fun beer review in that first half. I apologize, actually, for making that first half kind of hard for us Chiefs fans. I kind of went with the bad stuff before I went to to the good. But that's what a good team does. That's what good fans do. They finish their broccoli before they have dessert. And tonight, my friends, we feast on some ice cream. We feast on some banana foster from Eddie V's. Which probably is... By the way, it's super good. How can you get any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Big
2: Floyd reference right there.
1: Nice. Let's go into the ice cream of the podcast, boys. Today, Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. Let's first talk about that like dope fake run. Where he like snaps it, goes one direction, then goes the opposite direction, and then finds Tyreek Hill. Noah, give me give me your emotional reaction to that. Uh
2: what an athlete we have a, at our quarterback position. I mean did you think that route was gonna be wide open? Like what an athlete we have at our quarterback position for the Kansas City Chiefs, man. Like I just say this like first, just real quickly. Growing up in this town, being a fan since I was basically six years old. And having suffered as much as I I have, I enjoy every moment of Patrick Mahomes that I can. So <laughs> I, I have to say, it was incredible athletic play, and the fact that I mean, basically, they drew off the coverage, and Robinson was wide open. And
1: and and to add to that, before Reese, you, you give your take. Tyree Hill went on air after that and said Patrick Mahomes made that up in practice. Like while they were practicing, he was like he was like, Hey, dude, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to fake run, come back, and then I'm going to, I'm going to pass it over to you. And Tyreek was like, no, don't, don't do that. Tyreek was like, that's, that's crazy to do that. And then they ended up doing it in, in today's game. And Tyreek said he didn't think that they were actually going to do it because it was so crazy in practice. So, Reese, with that, what's your reaction? (laughs) Well, I mean, since the Super Bowl now, we've seen what? No
0: fewer than three or four different extremely unique looks on the goal line that I wouldn't even call trick plays. I just call unique formations. You know, they're like wildcat extended sort of plays. You know, this one in particular, you know, Pat went into motion, and that threw the entire team off they're like what's he gonna do now they're gonna like direct snap it over to left what is they're gonna like direct snap to somebody i can't see which direction is this ball going and i'll tell you what's really fun uh, i'm not sure if it's still on the front page of espn if you go back and watch that highlight you know how normally like 99 of the time that mitch holt is calling that because you know he's gonna like lose his mind It's super cool to listen to they have what has to be the carolina radio play-by-play guys giving that call (laughs) and it and it sounds like they're never gonna see their family again they're like Mahomes well, in motion. Oh, snap it to him. Oh, yeah, to Robinson. Man, they just oh, They just always throw wrinkles in there, don't they?
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. So Patrick Mahomes had he had three hundred and seventy-two yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He he becomes the youngest player or the fastest player to hit a hundred touchdowns in their career. Tyreek Hill, who had 113 yards, two touchdowns today, has the most touchdowns in the NFL by a wide receiver. Travis Kelsey had 159 yards. Now, if you didn't watch this game, you would think this was a blowout, right? But that first half, it was it was strange. We saw we saw one pat and then we saw a second pat in the second half. Noah, I'm gonna hand this to you first. What what happened? What what were the adjustments that were made, if any? Did we just Yeah, what happened,
2: man? Uh <sighs> Man, I don't know because it, it was so weird watching the first half. It was like Kelsey would get like a big chunk play, and then we would, he would kind of throw like two ducks, you know, to, to the receivers. And uh, I, I think in the second half, it just basically, he was like, okay, it looks like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are going to be open almost every single play. I just got to find one of them. And, but I mean, it, it, it wasn't like he was holding on to the ball, he was getting rid of the ball quickly maybe he got rid of it a bit more quickly in the second half because they were getting pressured so now Reese you and I were texting back and forth and and you seemed
1: kind of concerned about first quarter Tyreek Hill well you could say first
0: half Tyreek Hill I'll tell you what I'm not gonna say Pat threw straight dimes to him on all of those but I would say a majority of the time it looked to me like Tyreek was unsure or running the wrong route you know, there were times that like that one you said, it looks like he kind of batted it down. I'm like, dude, he just didn't get turned around in time. Like he he wasn't hitting the route at the right time. And there was that one in the left hand corner of the end zone, that kind of long fade route where Tyreek beat the receiver, but like he didn't turn his head soon enough and the ball was already ahead of him. You know, we saw that early on in the game, and thankfully Travis Kelsey was there to pick up the slack, and you know, I will redact my sentiment of stop throwing to Tyreek Hill this game because they eventually got it going. You know, Tyreek filled up, the, uh, filled up the box score this week. He finished with nine catches, 113 yards, two touchdowns. It was a really good game by him. You know, Kelsey was there. I liked what I saw from McCole Hardman as well. He's starting to really fit into that more of an X receiver role, running those middle-of-the-field routes, setting some blocks, and providing some misdirections that we've been missing when Sammy Watkins is sidelined.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Reese, because once Sammy Watkins comes back and we're playing elite defenses, all the Steelers. Although, what's the score right now, Uncle Noah?
2: Okay, it's uh, 19 to 15. Cowboys just got a huge return. So, um, we're looking at uh
1: Yeah, this is this is some live reaction here, guys. We're we're seeing this this Steelers team fall apart against a fourth string. I don't even know what the guy's name is. It's not Ben DiNucci, right? It's some other dude now. Oh, uh, Gilbert, right? So anyway, so now that we have McCole Hardman becoming kind of a, he has a role now in this offense. It's not just like, oh, game three is going to go off for 100, and then we're not going to see him until game 15. Like, he's consistently having games, so I think now people are going to have to start game planning for him now as well, and that's going to be a headache for the Ravens, a headache for the Steelers, a headache for the Titans, although the Titans aren't super great on defense anymore. Anyway, I want to go back to Reese's point. In that first half, it was weird because this Carolina Panthers defensive backs were awful. They're way worse than Fenton, way worse than Trevarius Ward. Like Hill even said in, in the press conference, he was like, it's so much harder to do a short route than a long route because if you do a short passing play you are guaranteed to have people around you and it's going to be difficult to catch. He said he was so confident in those long plays because he knew he can beat Trey Boston, who Trey Boston like had a pretty good career to begin, but like he looked awful today. So I knew from the beginning, even though we were missing those plays, Tyreek was open all of those, all those like drop passes or overthrown passes, or he was in the wrong route. Like, he was open the entire time. Travis Kelsey was open the entire time. Like I don't know what they were doing on on defense, but Patrick Mahomes, that's that's why Clyde Edwards alaire and Le'Veon Bell didn't rush the ball a lot because they kept coming at him. So he was like, Fine, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it over your head. So it was a great game. And that first half, I think it was just us beating ourselves, just not hitting the targets. And like you said, the route running, um, but a great offensive showing. MVP candidate should be number one next week. If I see Russell Wilson in there, I'm gonna flip my beep. I was gonna say these
2: pundits that want to put Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, and I mean, I know Rod, even Rodgers is having Miles, a good Miles season. Garrett. Don't forget, oh Miles my Garrett. God, don't even get <laughs> started with that. Who, who, who is a professional sports analyst that said that Miles Garrett is an MVP candidate? Jeremy shook. Oh God, well. <laughs> Like oh yeah, I remember he said yeah. I'm shook by his pick right there. I uh, I don't know, man. But I, Patrick Mahomes seems to be getting disrespected uh, more and more each year. Go ahead, Bruce.
0: Uh, You know, I, it's at this point too. Seattle's just taken their second loss in as many weeks, and it's it's about time that we stop talking about Russell Wilson as the MVP front runner. I think he had he was twenty eight to forty one, three hundred ninety yards today, two touchdowns, but two interceptions, two fumbles lost. Yo, Russell Wilson, let him cook. But right now, you know, he's starting to grease fire in the kitchen, man. man. It's <laughs> not looking good for him.
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That that's a pretty good take. So I think Patrick Mahomes, like I said in the last week's podcast, his his path to victory, if if I may use that that term, looks pretty good. It looks it looks pretty pretty good right now. As long as they keep it up against these pretty bad defenses. Now going into that, why don't we go to our next segment? Unless you
2: guys have something else to say about the offense. I uh, I mean, all I got to say is twenty five touchdowns, one interception. What more do you need? No, pl- no players ever done that. Absolutely.
1: absolutely. That's going to go straight into our next. We are now at the middle of the season. I want some midseason grades from you guys today. No, I'm going to start with you because you said Patrick Mahomes is basically the GOAT. Give me the midseason grade of our
2: offense. Uh, Barring probably the second half of the Raiders game and maybe the first half of the Chargers game. Uh, I it's been running on all cylinders. Andy and Eric Bieniemy can play call with it, it, are the best play callers in the league. And in terms of depth, you know, even our offensive line has, has stepped up after they just keep getting hurt. You know, more and more. I gotta give them at least an, an A, an A. I won't go A plus or anything like that, but an A, man. They're just the best Reese? offense in the league.
0: Reese. Yo, I'm going to come in really hot here and give them, (laughs) I'm going to give the offense a B plus, which is really scary to say because, (laughs) no, I'm serious. Hear me out on this. This is a fun fact. This was our third lowest scoring game of the season today. We've only scored 33 or fewer points three times we dropped 23 which is the why they should
1: have an a plus well no
0: you gotta you gotta let them know there, there's room to grow here the the running game by and large has still been very inconsistent we've had sparks of a running game it's been mostly gone the last two weeks prior to Le'Veon bell joining Clyde Edwards Alaire was hot or cold The offensive line is playing. dude. If I had to grade the offensive line alone, they're getting a straight D. I mean, that's beyond unacceptably low and pulling down our offense. You know, in the passing game, even, you know, Pat's looked like he's kind of struggled to get into a rhythm, whether that's play calling, not having enough time because of the aforementioned offensive line. I don't know. But that's what's so great is that 33 is getting kind of, you know, like the bottom of the barrel scoring wise. And this offense still has so much more room they can grow.
1: Okay, I'm going to defend our offense first. I'm giving us an A+. Plus. Really? Hot take Mondo always has the hot takes, and I'm giving our offense an A+, plus because no one is better in the NFL than the Chiefs, and if we're grading based on who are, who is in the NFL, I'm giving us an A+. Plus. Now, let me explain. Just like I did last week, I said that we would have to adjust to what the defense was giving us or what the offense was giving us from the Carolina Panthers. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what has been happening since the like playoffs, right? The Titans come out there, throw the playbook at us. Texans come out there, throw the playbook at us. The 49ers come at us. And then this year, it's the same trend. So I'm giving our, office, our offense some slack because – these defenses are doing things that we haven't seen before and that they don't talk about in the week prior when they're in the film room. Like they are like every team is literally coming after us. We have a huge, we have a huge target on our back and every team is doing something different. And that is why since the playoffs, we have bad first halves. Very few games that we've had have we had a good first half. Because we are trying to adjust to what is happening. Remember, two weeks ago, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the second highest rusher in the NFL in yards, right? It was Dalvin Cook, CH. He's taking a hit now because people are kind of coming out and adjusting to it. But I think this D- this offense is great. This offense is adjusting on the fly to every single team that comes to them. And we are producing, just as you said, like our lowest score, like you said, is 30 or just under 30 great offense. We can beat you any way that we want to beat you. And our fifth stringer is normally better than your first stringer. So come at us. We're coming for you. A plus, baby. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go to maybe a not-so-fun topic, the defense. No, we'll start with you again. Give us a grade on the defense
2: this far. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well... Hmm let's just say, let's just say it's right off the bat. At least we're not in the 2018 defense. But uh, it's it's frustrating to have such a great pass offense and such a porous, inathletic, stagnant run defense that just keeps getting gashed for chunk yards. So it's like, I want to give them, hell, I want to give them a, I want to give them a B, but man, i got to give them... Because that run defense is just so bad. It's a C+. Plus. I will go into detail, but that's it. That's all I got. Fair,
0: fair, Reese? I'm going to go in with Noah on this one. I was originally thinking B. I'm going to go somewhere between a B and a B-. minus. It depends on if your teacher grades an 83% as a B or a B-. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: curve. The curve. <laughs> it's, a,
0: it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Uh, so... I am of the same viewpoints as Noah that our passing defense has been superb. Our running defense has been nearly as bad as our offensive line. I'm going to keep using those guys as the dead horses that I'm going to beat here. But, you know, you got to ask, is it six of one, half dozen of the other in regards to our pass defense being so great? Are they great because they're great or are they great because everyone's too busy feasting on our run defense until it's too late? So, You know, looking into games, we still have a defense that is prone to giving up big plays. The Raiders had a lot of big plays today when all we had to do was put the clamps on Carolina. We made Teddy Bridgewater one-dimensional by how far ahead we were. We couldn't shut him down. He was still running for 14 yards on fourth down. He was still throwing super bad passes that McCaffrey and Samuel both came down with just like incredibly acrobatic catches. So that's what still worries me about this defense. But on the bright side these guys don't have to put the world on their back the way Atlas does. They can at least carry a box up a set of stairs, and that's about all we need if the offense is going to play at this level.
2: One more point, point. Uh, and this is a good thing. Is that I believe before today we were the first in uh, takeaways as well, too.
1: Very, It's a very True, good yeah, no, that's a good point. High risk, high reward. That's great analysis, actually. Good job. Good job, Uncle Noah. Uh, Reese, do you have anything else to say? Nope, all yours. Sweet. Okay, I'm gonna agree with you, kind of in the in in between you both. I'm gonna do a B minus. So a C is average, and like I've been saying from the beginning of the year and last year, even though we didn't do podcasts last year, we just have to have an average defense to win every single game. We just have to be average. We can't let Derek Carr have 35 points, right? We can't let that happen. That's that's below average. So we've had just under. You know, two or three below average games. The rest of them have been pretty good, if not average. So I'm gonna do B minus because, like, this game was almost bad, right? It could have, it could have been one, one possession could have gone the other way and we lost this game, which is unacceptable. Same with Derek Carr. It's unacceptable that Derek Carr can do a victory lap on Arrowhead in their in their bus, like that. Pissed me off. But anyway, beside that point. They've been doing pretty well beside that, right? If you look at those first games, I think they only those first three teams only scored ten points. Like this is one of the highest scoring games that an offense has done on us. And like I said in the beginning, I think it was actually valid that what they did because of the running game. Our defensive line has to figure it out. We have to stop being Jacqueline Hyde. We have two of the best pass rushers in the NFL: Frank Clark, Chris Jones. We have Juan Thornhill. We have Honey Badger. We have Rashad Breeland. We should not be a B minus. We should be a B plus or above. The liabilities that we talk about all the time is Richard Fenton, it's Traverius Ward. That still should not bring us to a B minus. Unfortunately, I think today we are a B minus. We can definitely do better. I think we will do better because, like I said, we play better when we play better teams. B minus. All right, Uncle Noah. Thank you so much for coming. We have our bye week next week. Uh we'll see if we do something there. Maybe maybe we'll do some power rankings. We're not sure what we're gonna do. Stay tuned. We got some beer reviews as well coming up pretty soon with some big people. But Uncle Noah, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to have a PBR or some like nasty beer with you again.
2: You're the worst, dude. You're the. <laughs> but hang out with you, you're gonna give me the best beer I can I can possibly drink.
1: Absolutely, I'll bring you a double IPA, and you're gonna get buzzed right from the beginning because you have PBRs all the time.
2: I, I actually yeah, I don't drink as much anymore. Oh, thanks, guys. It was awesome. I, I'm just nice to get this win. It's hard to beat the Chiefs, yeah. baby. It's hard to beat the Chiefs.
0: Absolutely. We got. We have to get you on here again later. No, it's been a great time, man.
2: Oh, for sure. <laughs>
0: we'd like to thank you for joining us today on fountain city sports media this podcast is brought to you by listener support so consider becoming a friend of the podcast check out our patreon page at patreon.com f c s m find us on instagram at fountain city s m to get updates on the podcast sports and of course the goings on in the beer industry And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Armando and Noah, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.